This series of Rain is celebrating one of my obsessions, women's sport. The series is empowered by Nike, whose ambition, just like Rain, is to be the biggest champion for women and girls and ensure they feel seen and included. And that means all women. Nike celebrates all bodies, all journeys, and all forms of movement, and we love to see it. Nike is totally committed to that investment, supporting her journey, taking action to make meaningful change and coming through with innovative style-led products. I'm sure you've already seen the game-changing new England's women's football kit, which includes the new leak protection technology embedded in the lining of the Nike Pro short for athletes. Nike leak protection period is available as a separate product for everyone, and the ultra-thin absorbent liner is designed to give people who menstruate an added layer of confidence through movement, whether that's football, athletics, dance, weightlifting, yoga, or even a quick dash to the shop, babes. That's not all. Nike have launched the Phantom Luna, a women-led football boot, backed by Nike's most meaningful investment in women yet. That they've taken more than two years of research, trialing, designing, and styling to develop. And we haven't even gone on to the bras, leggings, pro hijabs, and their maternity and plus size ranges. So make sure you check out the latest innovation for her product at Nike.com. Hey, I'm Josh Smith, and welcome to Rain. This podcast is all about empowerment and open conversations with incredible guests. So let's get straight into it. As the Women's World Cup kicks off, I'm so excited to be joined by one of England's greatest footballers of all time, Lucy Bronze. Lucy was part of the Euros winning squad last year, and what a moment to be alive that was! Football finally came home! But while the England and Barcelona defender has basically achieved every trophy in football, there is one thing left, the World Cup. Lucy is dreaming big this summer, and on this episode, she shares some never-before-heard stories about the Lionesses' Euros winning moment both on and off the pitch. Lucy also talks about the sexism she faced in sport, the turning point that made her focus on her mental health, and after a knee injury sidelined her just before the World Cup, she calls for more research into women's sporting performance. It's one of the last major hurdles for true gender parity in sport, and I hope Lucy's words inspire you to get talking about period and more. Now, all together now, it's coming home. It's coming. Lucy, how are you? Very good. How are you? I'm so good. I mean, I'm so excited because I can just feel it in my bones, feel it on my t-shirt, <laughs> that it is coming home again. I'm beside myself excited for the World Cup. Are we dreaming big for this? Tell me right now. Of course we're dreaming big. We're always dreaming big. I've never I've never gone to a tournament and not thought I'm coming home with that trophy, so this is no different. Yes, I love this spirit. We're taking this, we're using this. <laughs> um, how different, though, is it preparing for a World Cup opposed to other tournaments? How much more intense is it? What is the training been like? I think... Predominantly, the training's the same, um, but I don't know. Everything in general is just bigger and better and and more. Like whether that's like the media or the build up or the travel or the things that you need to take or everything. 
I mean, training's training like we train for all games. There are more games at this World Cup and you play different teams. Like, I can, I've can, i never played Hades before in my entire life and that's the first game we've got in the World Cup. So it's just, yeah, different opposition, different things, but everything's just bigger and better. Oh my God. So like, do you have meetings where you sit, sit down and you'd be like, right, we're facing this team. This is what we're going to do. Like, that's already happened. You're already in the zone. We're not doing that, but the staff are. This we've got a team of staff. They're like in the in a dark room in a computer <laughs> analyzing all these teams. We just show up a couple of days before, and they'll be like, "We've watched hours and hours, and we've sat and watched all these players. This is what you need to know." And we'll go through it in a couple of hours. Yeah, so they do the job for us. That's their their job. So we can concentrate on playing the game, and they. And spent hours, weeks, days, months analyzing other teams for the for the good of the team. With all the teams you've been on, you've pretty much won everything. You won every domestic cup in England, as well as domestic title in France, the Champions League, the Euros, a bronze medal at the Olympics, the She Believes Cup, the Arnold. Like the list just goes on and on and on. Your CV is absolutely jam packed, and you've got an MBA as well. I mean. <laughs> Do you ever forget you've achieved all these things? Like, do you ever get a moment to sit back and be like, do you know what? I'm going to pat myself on the back because that is pretty impressive. Um, I don't think so. I mean, there's still a little space there for a World Cup, I must say. But no, I think that's the reason why I keep going and going. Like, I've already won Champions League medals, but I wanted another one. Like, I just keep wanting to win, wanting to achieve more. I don't think I know how many trophies or medals or things they have I don't even know where they are I just enjoy winning I love it it's not like you like have a plan where you're like that world cup is going in the downstairs loo if I win it <laughs> yeah no nothing like that I don't I think funny enough my mum actually texted me this morning and she was like oh my nephew uh is at her house and she was like your nephew's decided that it's uh medal day today and he's wearing one of my champions league medals just walking around the house because he wanted to wear a medal but oh he has god. no idea what it is. He's like three years old. Oh my god, I love that. He's got like all the great accessories, and he's like, just look at this. And everyone's like, that's a Champions League medal. Like, put that back on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, it's it's a fun toy to play with. It's shiny. Out of all those incredible wins you've had, we are going to have to talk about that epic Euros win first and foremost. I mean, what a time to be alive that was. How do you think winning the Euros has really shaped you as an athlete, do you think? Um, I think for me personally, I've had so many things in my career. However, I never really got over the line with an England team. Um, I think to do it at home in Wembley with all the fans and family and friends able to come there was an experience that I'll never, probably never ever get again with that same sort of sentiment and feeling. Um, and I think as an athlete, for me and for the girls, we, fi- we finally proved that we can do it. It's like, oh, it's always it's coming home. And when are England finally going to beat the Germans? Or when are they going to win at Wembley? Or, you know, all those little things are little things that people hold on to. And it was, yeah, we've done it. Like, it gives you that bit more confidence, a bit more, uh, I don't know, you kind of lift your, pull your shoulders back, chest up, and you can be a bit more proud of yourself a bit more confident when you walk on the pitch now yeah I love that is there a moment from the tournament that's really 
stuck with you and that you will never forget? Um, I think probably two moments on the pitch. When we played Spain, was probably the hardest game we played. Um, and I remember Georgia Stamway was like, her and Kira both had cramp and they were still playing. And Spain were like passing and passing the ball. And then George just picked the ball up. Obviously, everybody knows she scored that goal, but she was like in agony. Like she was playing this game in agony. She was like, Lucy, I can't run. I can't move. Picks the ball up, runs and just uh, fires it in the top corner as if like the game's only just been going for five minutes. Um, I think that moment was where I was like, this team's like, we'll run through brick walls to make sure we win this game or any game. And then in the final, the funny moment was uh, just keeping it in the corner at the end with Chloe and, and Tierney. And I remember Chloe was get the ball for me like on a throw in and she'd say, Lucy, just, just take a yellow card. I've already got one because I took my top off, but you can just take a yellow card, just waste time. I was thinking, yeah, you, you got a yellow card because you scored the winning goal and you took your top off and you become an icon. You want these to sit and waste time messing about with a ball? <laughs> so that was a, a special moment that both of them, people don't, on the outside don't know, but in the game was just two different kind of stories, but both amazing stories. I'm just obsessed with that <laughs> um, that level of teamwork that she's like, just take this yellow car for the team. Yeah. I've got like icon like, status. From one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one. But you, you, babe. You need to take one for the team. Yeah. You need to try to play your part, Lucy. Come on, I've done my... And I was like, okay. I mean, step up. <laughs> I mean, people say you need to love what you do. And even in those moments, they're like high pressure. I, did you know you were going to win? What were you thinking? I was thinking, Chloe Kelly is telling me to take a yellow card because she's already had her fun. So it was nice. I, I enjoyed those last 10 minutes of a final, European final, more than you could imagine, just off of funny interactions I had with both Chloe and Tooney in the corner, just making, having fun. We were having fun. Yeah. I'm glad you were having fun because when I was watching it, I was on the edge. I was literally like this. And when it was full time, I literally went so mad. I had a foam finger and I was bashing it so hard that my foam finger split in two. Like, I didn't even know that was even possible. And I mean, we were celebrating like all night long and you lot certainly did celebrate. And I mean, those ski goggle glasses you were wearing the next day spoke a thousand words. That that was my icon status. Yes. The next day. Yeah, um, I think a couple of the girls were a bit worse. Wor- Funny enough, I think I was in a better place than the majority of players. I think um, I just know how to power through these things and give the crowd what they want, kind of give them what they want. <laughs> I just love the fact you do not do things by halves on the pitch or off the pitch. And I mean, you definitely don't because you have over 100 caps for England now. How do you think becoming a member of the England squad changes your mindset? And how do you think your relationship with pressures change? I mean, you know, you mentioned it already that the pressure to like, to see England perform on the international stage, the football team has been so big and it's been going for so long. How much has your relationship with pressure changed? I think... uh... It's changed in certain ways, but I think I've always been a person who's looked for that. I love to look for challenges, and I think having that pressure is something that challenges you. And for like, there's all those phrases like, uh, like diamonds are made under pressure, and um, pressure is a privilege, and things like that. And I really think it is. Like, I think 
the more pressure that gets put on you, it's it's for a reason. It's because others have an expectation of you that your level is this high, that you're capable of doing that. So you have this pressure of feeling that you need to be there. So for me, it's I as I've gotten older, I've realised the the pressure is only what I perceive it to be because if I know I'm at that level, then I know I'm there. If I have trained and done everything I'm supposed to do, I should be at the level that I expect to be at. And if I haven't trained and done the things I'm supposed to do, then I probably won't be at that level. And then the pressure that I'm put under is only under by myself because I've not done the right things. So I've tried to look at it in a different way. And as I've got older, I've understood more what it means and how you can determine it more by yourself and how your environment can dictate it, but it's what you let in and how you perceive that pressure and then how you're going to perform with it. But I think it's a difficult thing for everybody's different in how they perceive it and, and how they receive it and whether they see it as a good thing or a bad thing. I say it's a good thing. I think if I've got pressure on me, it's because people expect me to be good. People think I'm good. Mm. And you are bloody good. But at the same <laughs> time, though, there is like one part of being an athlete is the physical performance. Another half of it is the mental performance and your mental stability and your mental health as well. How have you learned to like really work on your mental health and your mental well-being to get you into those winning positions? I'll be honest, when I was younger, I thought, bah, I rubbish this. I don't need to take care of my mental health. Like, what does that even mean? Like, if I train, if I run as fast as I can on the pitch and then do it on the, in training, then if I do it on the game, then that's all that's necessary to win. Um, and then as I got older, I realized, like, the power of, your mentality of your brain I think I was fortunate to already be developing that without even realizing with the people that I spent time with the 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 teams that I was in the teammates that I played with um and then again as I got older I've always been someone who's like I can do everything on my own like I don't need help I don't like to ask for help um and I think there was when I when I got was doing more and more, I was like, there's so much in my head, I can't, there's too much there. Like, some of it needs to be let out. And I think the moment I started working with a psychologist, like, so many of my cares, pressure, being able to perceive pressure, uh, being able to work in different environments with different people, manage different situations, going from different teams, I've lived in different countries, mm. all those things became so much easier. Speaking about it, going through a process of, okay, how are you going to do that? What's your end goal? Why do you need to do that? Like, what are you thinking in those moments? What do you need to think about? Um, and all those different things and having someone to 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 speak to who's specialised in that area, who can help figure you out and figure your brain out. I think that was, yeah, I think that's one thing that changed the way that I perceived playing football in general in a team how I treated my teammates, how I treated myself, how I treated games. Uh, that was something that completely, I think it pushed me to another level. And I guess as well, that made you a better team player too. And like teamwork is so much about what you do in your sport. And you've been part of some really incredible teams. And the Lioness is, is not just a, an amazing team, but they are a game-changing team as well. Has there been a friendship you've really made in that team that's really shaped you as a person, do you think, and really, like, made you a better athlete too? I think, like, 
Probably Jill Scott was a main one. Uh, we're not like best, best friends. We're really good friends. I can I pick up the phone and speak to Jill anytime. When we see each other, we speak for ages. Well, funny enough, um, that was one of the relationships that changed when I started to understand mentality and psychology a little bit better. Uh, when I first came in the England team or I played with Jill uh, in other teams, we actually clashed a lot. I'm so driven. So like, this is how you do it. There's no other way. I'm right. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you tell me. We're going to do it like this because this is how you win. And Jill's very much like, but everybody else, everybody needs to be taken care of. You need to make sure that everybody's feeling good. And I'd be like, not really. Like, you're just doing this, you'll win. Um, and then it took a session together in a psychologist with the team and, and team environment for us both to realise how important the other person's mentality was and how working together we got more accomplished than trying to just do it our own way. And honestly, before that, we weren't friends. And after it, became like the closest of friends and not only that but she changed the way I viewed other people within the team understanding people are different mm. how to motivate different people because we're a squad of 23 most of the time we, we don't all think the same um, and I think she was the one person who changed my mindset of the team as like working in a team getting the best out of each other and not just thinking if I get the best out of myself that's good enough you need to be able to do yourself and then bring everybody else with you if you want to succeed mm. and you are bringing everyone along with you at the same time okay. and the lionesses have inspired like a whole other I mean they inspired all generations it's not just specific to younger generations but the impact you guys have had on the younger generations and getting female sports um, on the front pages, front of the news, everyone talking about it has been incredible. And also being able to change the curriculum in the UK to make sure that girls are playing football. Was there a moment where you really realised how much impact you were having on the younger generations? I think throughout the tournament, there was moments. And I think when obviously writing that letter to the government was a huge step. And when it actually changed things it was incredible a lot of Ruben Moy was like this is our moment like we're going to Trafalgar Square because millions of people have watched this yesterday thousands of people have turned up like we've just we now is our time we have the spotlight let's do something let's do something big like throughout the tournament we knew that there was issues and, and different things that we'd come up against when we were younger and Lotta was like let's do let's do something so we were, we were just like, yes, Lotta, let's do something. So we all got on board, but it took a couple of days and stuff. Um, and I think sending that letter in and knowing that like the whole country was watching us kind of do that and push for what we wanted, that was when we thought, oh my God, like we're actually like, we can do stuff more than just winning football matches and having little girls with bronze on the back of their shirt, we can change even more, like, curriculum. Like, that's crazy. That's, like, it's just something that I don't think I ever imagined to be able to have that kind of responsibility and power to do. But we gave ourselves that spotlight and we made a difference. I think that was a real big moment for us as a team because it was something we spoke about previously. What is a legacy? And 
not just winning the Euros, but what else can be our legacy. And that legacy is so palpable and you can see it in the enthusiasm for women's football now. I mean, you're selling out stadiums left, right and centre. I know that um, the Barcelona team has been doing that for years, but to have that in like see women's football selling out stadiums in the UK is incredible. But on the journey to getting to that point, have there been some moments of sexism towards women's football that have really shocked you and really stuck in your mind and almost motivated you to overcome those and prove people wrong? Oh, I think there's been probably so many in my career. I think in my adult life, there are things that I've probably blocked out and just pushed on. Um, but I remember being younger and I mean, at 12 years old, I got told, oh, you can't play with the boys anymore. And I'm was like, why not? And they're like, in case you hurt the boys and in case the boys hurt you because you're a little girl. And my mum went, the boys aren't going to hurt her. She's going to hurt the boys. Yes. I was was stronger. Yeah. Like she was like, no, no, no. Nobody's held my little girl, what she can and can't do. So yeah, my mum never liked football up until this point and found something to fight for. And that was her passion was, uh, empowering girls and women. Um, and so she had a daughter who she was able to do it with. But I mean, there's been many, probably worse of sexist moments in my career. But I think I've blanked so many of them out because I think so many people who do those things, they're just trying to put you down. They want to put the game down. They want to put you down as an individual. Like, why, why even give them, why even give them like any attention or that little bit of, acknowledgement that they're, mm. they're so desperate for when they make no difference to my life to be honest exactly and you can always just be like get on google babes and check out my stats <laughs> <laughs> look at my cv <laughs> that's what that's what i've done goodbye <laughs> see ya You know this podcast is all about bringing people together through the power of good conversation. And that's why I'm so happy to be working with Nike for this series, because one of Nike's greatest strengths is their ability to bring people together through the power of sport. As well as creating specific products for her, Nike is unlocking doors for the next generation, accelerating change in sport from grassroots level and investing in more than 135 community partners that support women and girls around the world who want to participate in sport. It's this kind of inclusion and progress that makes me so proud to be working with Nike for this special series. So I encourage you to head to at Nike Women to find out more. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. What do you think are some of the hurdles, though, that are still in the way of true gender parity in sport? Oh, I think... I think a lot of people's opinions, uh, opinions that shouldn't matter, seem to matter for some reason. Mm. And I think... 
like people form an opinion without even watching games or whether that's in women's football and in other sports. And I've always uh, seen a couple of people say it like, I don't, I don't watch every single sport on the planet. Like there's some sports that I don't enjoy, but I equally don't feel the need to put them down. Like people have preferences, but for some reason, when it seems to be a woman's sport, it's like, well, let's put them down because I don't know what we're threatened by it. Like, or if you just don't like it, that's fine. Like some people don't like certain food. You just don't eat it. You don't like have to tell everybody to stop eating it and nobody should start should eat it because it's so disgusting. Like you just don't like that's your preference. Mm. And I think too many people seem to have like an opinion on women's sport either without watching it or because they're threatened or something else. And it's like, but why'd you have to sing from the roofs? Like if you don't like it, we're fine without you. But if you want to try and watch women's sport and you like it, then enjoy it like other people do. Like it's it's that simple. Mm. And one thing we've definitely got to sort out in women's sport is the amount of research into women's bodies in sport and how it affects uh, sporting performance because female players are still suffering knee ligament injuries in worrying numbers. And you were sidelined just before the World Cup preparations because of a knee injury. And the stats around this are crazy because women appear to be four to six times more likely to suffer an ACL injury the male footballers, but there's so little being done to stop that, put research into that. And it's been linked to so many different things and periods to poor quality of pitches, to funding, to football boots. What would you love to see change in that department in terms of research? Oh, I, I mean, I do think there, there obviously is research out there, but I think it's a lot of our players have said the same, like if this was in the men's game, I, like the kitchen sink would have been thrown at it many, many years ago. Mm. And don't get me wrong, I don't. I think injuries are, are part of the game. Um, and unfortunate as it is, like sometimes injuries are, are just going to happen no matter what you do to try and prevent them. However, are we doing the most we can to prevent them in women's sport, women's football especially, obviously? Um and do do we really put the the backing behind it? Because I think if men had periods, there would probably be a lot more research on periods as well. But unfortunately, uh, it doesn't seem to be that way. I think we all we all recognise that men and women's bodies are genetically different. Mm. Um, there's strengths and weaknesses to both body types, and doesn't take a genius to work that out. I mean, people that that sort of thing's been around for years so why can't we apply it to to sports like the science that we we get taught at school we, you get taught two different we get taught about the male you get taught about female why in sport are we not then putting that same attention into the things that we do whether like you say it's i mean and then you have the other side of it of you know the quality of the pitches the quality of the things that we're given the quality of the gyms that we use the expertise that we're given like it's a lot lower than the men. The men have a lot more resources given to them, a lot more finance put into them. Um, I understand that sport has a business aspect to it, but at the same time, there's some like well-being and and sort of care mm. in the sports that should be like a bare minimum. And it seems to be that 
a lot of the time. Yeah, if the if the research is there because the men have it, we have it. But if it's something completely different like periods, then it's nowhere to be seen. So I think no more people sort of talk about it. It seems that we start to make small dents in it. Um, it's just a shame that we kind of have to kind of raise our hands and be like, you know, we're, we're here, can mm. we do something about this? But I think when I think about the start of my career to now, things are definitely moving in the right direction, which I can only say is a, is a plus. Mm. And meanwhile, Nike are really leading the way with gender parity from game-changing campaigns to game-changing sportswear. And the New England kit is the definition of game-changing, specifically designed for women and women's knees with period-conscious blue shorts instead of white. And we love to see it, and it's about time we're getting that kit. How much of game-changer is that to you and the team? I think even when was it the last World Cup when we first got like our actual own kit you know it's it's only been kind of in my career where the fit of the kit's been right let alone talking about the colour of the shorts and you know going into leak proof uh, technology in, in shorts which has been even more recent but like when you talk about a sport how much do you say you know he's just not conf- he's just not got a lot of confidence at the minute and you might be talking about the performance, but you get confidence on the way that you feel. Mm. Like we all feel better in different clothes. It's the same when we perform. Like we feel better if the clothes that we're wearing is, is fit us right because it's made for us because Nike care what we feel like. And that makes a difference knowing that the brand that's like, well, not just sponsoring, but the, the brand that's there with you actually cares about what you think and what you've, think about their product what you think about when you're playing that makes a difference because how many times in have i've grown up and it's been like oh we'll just make, wear just wear the men's kit like that's fine but now it's actually be like actually no we want to do this for you we didn't we didn't even ask for it they did it for us that gives you like a sense of like okay we're going to make women's football like mean something because every other people want to do it as well and then yeah i think the just having that, having something that's our own. Finally, it's not always like, oh well, the men, the men have that, so you can have that. Oh, the men do this, so you can do that. Well, no, we'll have our own thing. Thank you very much, and we'll do our own thing, and we'll do things that we need because sometimes our needs are different to theirs. Mm. And I guess having like Nike's Leap Protection short gives you such another level of confidence, and it must super empower you to literally go out there put anything to your back of your mind and let you go out there and be the athlete you want to be, right? Yeah, and I think even with products like that, it's not even how the product performs, but like the fact that we can even just talk about it like years ago, if you said, oh, like the women need like underwear that's going to, you know, because they leak on their period, people were like, you can't say that. You can't say that on a, on a podcast. You can't say that in the media. Like that's private or something like, yeah, it, it's a, it's just part of life. It's part of what happens. Mm. Like, don't make young girls or or female athletes, adult athletes, feel ashamed because of something like this. Let's just find a solution. Let's empower them to be okay with what happens with their body. We can find a way to uh, around it. Leak-proof shorts. Um, it's gonna help prevent maybe embarrassing moments. But equally, if we speak about it more, is it an embarrassing moment when it's normal? 
Like mm. we can normalize it also by having by having the products there, talking about it, uh, having them on display everywhere. We, you know, it's not something that's like in the back. Oh, like the leak proof shorts from the no, like they're here. Like anyone can take them because this has what happens to girls when they play sport. Like it's fine, and this is what you can do to to help. So mm. even just talking about it and just having a product is like kind of breaks down barriers that girls have in sport and then yeah the actual design of the product and what it actually means in the game is even another thing as well Mm. and that's just a prime example of how sport can really change conversations i mean periods should not be a taboo topic and the fact we can have a podcast and we can just talk comfortably about it is so inspiring but it's also normalizing something that's completely normal and we just need to get over these last taboos in sport and in our society to push through for equality, right? Exactly. That's one of the great things about sport. And the fact that it's football in England, that's football's predominantly being like, well, it's the biggest sport in the UK. Like, that's what everyone's obsessed with. So as then footballers ourselves, but as the women representatives, we're like, oh my God, we've got like, this opportunity to change so many things to speak out about these taboos to to have a voice to to change things like i don't know it's it's something though as young children i don't think we ever expected to be able to do that but yeah to be able to change things in society through the power of sport being women in one of the biggest sports in the country gives us an extra edge changing things for women in society is yeah i mean that's something that like I think even if we, none of us were footballers, it's something that most women would want to do, uh, want to mm. be part of. And the fact that we are able to help women who don't even kick, not even like football, maybe. Maybe you don't like football. I don't care. If you're a woman, like, we're being able to be put in a situation where we can empower women in society because we've been given that edge because of football to kind of break into an area where previously we weren't meant to be and now we're there we're there for good and we broke that down for women in our own country but also around the world hopefully Mm. and I mean one of the things I also love about you is one of your middle names is actually tough which I actually (laughs) can't believe when I read that but you are tough by name (laughs) and you're tough by nature and all the stuff you've done has been so empowering not only for you but for so many other people and you've inspired everyone to get tough to dig deeper when do you though feel like you've been the proudest of yourself and the most empowered as an athlete i think the moment i feel most proud of or most empowered by myself was when other people in my own team used to come to me to say lucy we need to do this and i would be like why come to me now like, because like people listen to you because like they're scared of you because you'll say what you think like if there's something that you care about or you know that we care about you're gonna fight for it and I was like us oh, like that's why I've, I've always wanted to fight for for what I think is right but the fact that other people seen that in me and I had players in my own team come to me and say we need to change this and I'd be like what do you mean we like you need to say something. I was like, oh my God, that's like, I love that you think that I'm that person that will just go and fight for everything. Like that, that's all like, 
I've ever been taught from like my mum and my auntie is like empowering women and fighting for what's right. And I watched them do it and always was so inspired by them. And to think that I kind of turned into them, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Mm. And now I absolutely love arguing. Is there like a moment where you've been like, God, I'm a good arguer, where you're like, I've really used my voice here and I've really loved it? Yeah, there's a few times now because I've known that people want to put me in that situation. I have to be clued up on a lot of information. So there's times where I've been in meetings, someone someone like in authority has said something and I'd be like, well, actually, it's not quite like that. It's like this because I've been in this meeting and I know all these facts and figures and all the girls are like, and I look around and everyone's like nodding their head and smiling at me. And I'm like, yes, I'm so happy. I love it. I love how you found like your like your second favorite sport is clearly now debating. Yeah, it, that, I just, uh, yeah, it, it brings me so much joy. Sometimes I think maybe I'll just stay in the team. Even if I can't play, just if people need to like settle an argument with someone, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Sleeves up, I'm going in. I mean, I would always want you on my team every single day. And it has been the best talking to you today. But before you go off to go win that World Cup for us, because I know you're going to do it, we always end on this last question. And it always is, in the reign of your life, what's the one rule you'll always live by? I always live by working hard uh, for what you get. And what my mum always used to tell me, because my brother was older than me and was bigger and stronger than me, so I always would beat me. And I'd say, it's not fair. And my mum would be like, sometimes life's not fair, but you'll find a way around. So, and that's all my life I think, right, life's not fair, but I need to just find a way. I love it. And you found a way. Look at you now. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes life's not fair, but you just got to find a way to make it work. Yeah, and get in those arguments and make sure your voice is heard. Yeah, and argue the hell out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Honestly, thank you so much, Lucy, for taking the time out today. You've been the best. No, thank you very much. It's been a, it's been an enjoyable. Great, we love that. We love an enjoyable experience. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being here for this episode of Rain. If there are things that resonate with you, I'd love to hear from you. Get me on socials at Josh Smith Hosts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe or follow and share this with someone you think should hear it. Let's get those convos going because that is what this podcast is all about. Hi babes, me again. Just wanted to tell you about something very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life, just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do, as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. 
Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want, and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.